0: And listeners to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I'm your host, John Ledger, along with my boss, the one and only, the esteemed Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you today?
1: Doing fine, John. How are you?
0: Good. It feels good to be going live uh, with the good people, the good Pewter yeah. Report listeners. This is a fun, I, I haven't really enjoyed us kind of transitioning into a live phase of this podcast, um, live on Facebook, live on Twitter, live on YouTube. Comments yeah. are open. Readers, please ask questions, comment, oh, to discuss freely amongst each other um, as we talk Bucks and Bears and start to eventually this week turn our attention to Bucks Packers in a, in a huge pivotal game. But we want to hear from you all. Uh, we want to hear your questions. We want to be able to answer them. Uh, we want to have fun with this thing. So if you're in the chat and you have questions, and uh, feel free to let them fly and we will get to them eventually. We'll even be able to kind of throw them up on the screen, I think. Um, With some with some of the new uh, tools that we have to play with here So it's been fun and more than anything subscribe go to our youtube and subscribe We're trying to raise that subscribe. We've already had hundreds of people subscribe in the last week It's been awesome to see and we'll just have more and more as this thing kind of grows So we're excited about doing more podcasting with y'all and doing it more in a live format uh, Where we get to kind of discuss With y'all some of the things that are going on with the bucks and some of those things that are going on with the bucks Scott are a loss to the bears Thursday night football. I think I started feeling a little bit less disappointed some point yesterday when there was like more football on and it started to like phase out of my mind. But I think I like this was a good 48 hour one where I just kept rehashing everything that went wrong for the Bucs yep. in this game. Some of it self inflicted, some of it officials, some of it just random weird stuff uh, that you wouldn't expect to happen in a game. And just felt like the perfect storm that kind of put this team exactly where they should not have been throughout this game.
1: John, you almost wish that the Falcons would, would play the Buccaneers next, right? I mean, <laughs> to have Raheem Morris uh, and and the 0-5 Falcons up next on the schedule would probably be a little bit better than the 4-0 Packers to come to town. But let's right. rewind a bit as we talk about this, this loss to the Bears. I, I think the one thing that really stood out to me, and I, I really kind of hammered it home on these Zoom conference calls with both Bruce Arians and with Tom Brady after the game on Thursday night, was just the the penalties and how just an undisciplined football team this is. And and I, I I made the point to talk to to Tom and I said, you came from one of the most disciplined organizations in football in New England to the, one of most uh, uh, undisciplined organizations in football in Tampa Bay. And I, I told Bruce Arians point blank that he had an undisciplined football team and he's been, this is 21 games into his tenure in Tampa Bay now. And, uh, and I, I don't understand why this team continues to beat itself. Now, I think they've done a good job eliminating the, the, the turnovers. Not eliminating mm-hmm. getting rid of the ball completely, but certainly cutting them down right. uh, from where they were at this point last year with Jameis Winston throwing picks and pick sixes galore. Mm-hmm. Um, but, John, the, the penalties remain an issue. That They were the number one penalized team. In the league last year, the Buccaneers, once again, are the, the league's most penalized team. And I have to go back to um, probably before your time. I don't know if you've, if you've heard of the offensive coordinator, Les Steckel. He was mm-hmm. the Bucks' offensive coordinator in, um, in Tony Dungy's second to last year. So that would be the year 2000. They actually did a pretty good job putting points on the board with him as the offensive coordinator. And the one thing he was noted for was the penalty path. He would have the, the players, if they had a penalty in practice, hop out of, of the, the rep and run a lap around the field. I mean, just like high schools and Pop Warner teams do it. Donovan He's, Smith
0: would get no reps though, Scott.
1: Well, I mean, it, it, for whatever reason, it worked. I mean, it, it, the players, I remember talking to the players in the locker room, and you know, they, they felt it was kind of like you know, junior high-ish, kind of JV-ish mm. to do. But it worked. I mean, it, what it does is, is it, it takes you back to the roots of football, to Pop Warner, to high school, to JV ball, whatever. And, and it, it, it basically points you out as an example to everybody. Like, if you're not good enough to not hold or, or to, to not you know, hold your water and not jump yeah. off sides or have a false start, right. then you're going to run a lap. And you know what? It worked. And I'm almost in favor of, of, of having the Buccaneers bring back the penalty path uh, to to help out uh, this team because they're just so undisciplined. Right. And and the crazy thing is, John, is who we're talking about here is we're talking about some of the most uh, highest paid players in the team. Donovan Smith over fourteen million dollars. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, making well he, he's averaging eighteen million and whatever it is, yeah. uh, he gets the salary uh, kind of uh, reduced uh, every every so often when this team needs cap money, but. Ryan Jensen, ten million dollars. You know, so yeah. you're talking about some big name players on this team that are the ones committing the penalties, and and I don't know that Bruce Arians has an answer for for how to stop it, other than the penalty pack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what don't it's going to take, but I mean, I thought Greg Allman tweeted out like an unbelievable stat uh, today where that I saw that the NFL keeping this statistic called stalled drives to note penalties. A, that are significant enough to scuttle a possession. Patriots have just one all season. You talk about the the difference and the comparison between Belichick uh, and the in the atmosphere and culture created by the Patriots and what the one the Bucks have. Uh, and the Bucks have fourteen. The only one team in the NFL with more is Arizona, fourteen. But there are fifteen teams that have five or fewer. So fourteen is significantly higher than the average. And the Bucs offense has just continued to shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. And we talked about it with the drops. They lead the league in drops and I lead the league in penalties like this. Uh Donovan Smith has been kind of the 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 key culprit, five stall drives as a result of penalties that he's kind of yeah. ended single handedly. And so it it's been it's been it's frustrating to me because I like to talk about football. I like to talk about the details of why a team beat another team, the scheme behind it, the players' individual performance behind it. And instead, we're talking about penalties. Like I can't yeah. quantify penalties. I don't know how many times Arians had him practice not false starting, and then they false start in a game, or you know how many times they're not supposed to, they're supposed to turn and find the ball as defensive backs. They could drill it all day. Like I don't know everything that they do in practice. We don't get to see that part. So right. it's I don't know who to even criticize sometimes. And, ha- and to be honest with you, some of these penalties are horrible calls. The Bucks yeah. have gotten some horrible calls against them this year. And I'm sure that's always true of the team that kind of leads the league in penalties. There's always going to be a a good chunk of bad ones in there. And they certainly have to shoulder their share of the blame. But you do start to think, Scott, it's like, okay, how much do I want to break this down in depth with these penalties? When the reality is that usually these averages start to even itself back out and some of the calls start to go the other way or or not occur that are getting, that are the Bucs have been plagued with so far this season.
1: Well, and the thing, too, is, listen, I, I wrote in two of my two-point conversions last year that, that, the, that the Saints games, especially, were both horrifically uh, called from the official standpoint. Mm-hmm. And you can point back to that Tennessee game as well, um, where they basically nullified what should have been a scoop-and-score touchdown um, by Anthony Adams. That was a big-time play in the game. Uh, I'm not going to do that, though. With, with this this game and, and this team, certainly this Thursday night game, uh, because there were uh, a lot of holding penalties that were justified. Uh, the, the Carlton Davis, um, you know, pass interference was pass interference. Yeah. I mean, it just was it – was, it was an untimely penalty because it was such a horrifically underthrown ball by Nick Foles. He right. was playing the man and assuming that the pass was going to be on target, and it wasn't to Allen Robinson. But listen, when you have 11 penalties and that's what it was, I I see that that there were uh, we have a couple comments here. Mm Somebody's saying seven penalties. No, there were 11 penalties (laughs) for 109 yards. And there was actually two more penalties, a holding call on Donovan Smith and a holding call on on Alex Kappa that were declined. So there were 13 infractions called on the Buccaneers that game. So when you're committing that many penalties, you you deserve the lion's share of those. And I don't think that that, that we can nitpick and say, oh well, this one or, or this, you know, th- there was a bad call on Shaq Barrett on the roughing the, the passer penalty. I'll grant mm-hmm. you that, but th- but there were plenty of, of other penalties, especially on the offensive side of the ball, that just yeah. were
0: ridiculous. Right. It's it's been weird because I mean, with the, the ones that stand out in our minds, obviously, is people who have uh, the uh, and some any type of a bend toward the box are the ones that kind of affected the Bucks negatively. So you think of the false start on Shaq yeah. Barrett or the, the offside on Shaq Barrett. there was sure. clearly a false start and you could see it live yeah. and they and they screwed it up. And then you know later in that I think it was like the next player two no it was like two plays later, you know, Allen Robinson and I just cut the play because I'm going to use it in an article, but right. clearly pushes off Carlton Davis and no call. And Davis immediately gets you can see Davis's whole body like rock back. And so those are the ones that stand out and there are those and those do go both ways in these games and I'm not saying sure. You know, the Bucks deserve to win and they didn't because of those three mistakes or whatever. But I do say, I say it to say this, I say two things. We have a couple of uh, l- listeners that are asking about Bruce Arians and accountability and how this team hasn't turned around in terms of discipline. And I think it's a fair question. I also think it's hard for us to respond to. Like I said, we aren't, we don't see how much they drill this stuff and maybe players are just making mistakes and sometimes penalties are also bad luck. You could do the same thing on the same play and it doesn't get called one game. And then the right. next crew calls it. And so there's a lot to quantify with these things. What I will say with this is that we did a study before the season. We did an article before the season. We wrote it. I think it was Taylor that wrote it and I helped him out with it a little bit was on Bruce Arians teams and how they improve in the penalty category every year that he's there. So he comes in and they might struggle in penalties. That'd this first yet. year. Right. It has not happened yet this season. But at least over the course of his career before this, it has yeah. happened when he's been places. And so you're hopeful that, th- that things start moving in that direction and that that number decreases and stuff. But like I said, I feel like we've talked penalties to death yep. almost, Scott. It's almost more at this point I'm ready to like talk about, like we all know that's an issue. Mm-hmm. But what are some of the other hidden things that were an issue in this game? And one of the things I keep going back to is lack of coverage adjustments in this yeah. game. I thought that Todd Bulls, who has been great this year, I think, I just thought he did not coach his best game straight up. You know, it's not, it's not, I want to get rid of Todd Bowles. I don't like when we go there. I think we can say a coach had a bad game or a player had a bad game without saying, let's replace him in the lineup. That time oh, yeah. will come with some people. Like, I've, you've heard me get down that path with Jordan right. Whitehead a little bit. It's like, okay, but with Bowles, to me, I think it is more like we have to be able to get away from some things and, and go to something that might be more successful. Nick Foles couldn't throw the ball down the field in this game, and the Bucs made everything underneath so easy for them in the times that they did march down the field. I think I tweeted the other day it was like 100 and some yards passing uh, on underneath throws that occurred like before a receiver ever came in contact with the defensive back. Um, you slants, curls, hitches, things like that. Uh, just too easy it was just too simple for the Bears offense to be able to move the football they're ripping off eight nine seven yard chunks uh, on those types of plays and then they're getting in situations where field goals in this game uh, were enough because how the offense shot themselves in the foot and I think the Bucs felt like they could hang on and maybe they were waiting for Jamel Dean pick six that almost (laughs) happened and I would have had to eat my words a little bit but when you watch this team I just I don't see a group of corners, Scott, that, are, that thrive in off-man or zone situations. They grafted these big, athletic guys to play press-man, and I think that Todd Bowles should be letting them do more of it.
1: Yeah, and Brent Grimes is no longer on the roster, thank God. Right? I mean, He, he, was, he was the <laughs> king of off-coverage, coverage. <laughs> right? Um, right. When, when he wanted to come up and tackle, he would. Uh, when he didn't want to come up and tackle, I and mean, he made some business decisions over his last year in Tampa, he certainly <laughs> didn't. But these guys will tackle. Um, but the thing is, though, is is when you when you provide eight yards of cushion, and it's you know it, and and right off the bat you're you're taking a couple steps back, and the receiver's coming at you, so you're dropping at at, at the, yeah. the same depth that that you're allowing that cushion, and and then you plant and drive, and it's third and ten, and the receiver gets ten yards, and, and the sticks move, you know that, that that's a win for the offense and a loss for the defense. What I saw. And, and granted, there was one short field situation right, with, with the uh, the Keyshawn Vaughn fumble. But when you give up 14 points, two touchdowns in a minute and 12 seconds in that second quarter, and that was really, to me, one of the huge turning points in the game. Yeah. When all of a sudden the Buccaneers looked like they were in cruise control at 13-0, the Bears couldn't do anything right. And right. all of a sudden at halftime, literally just minutes later, it's 14-13 and Chicago has the lead. One of the things that really that made me think about the the Denver game was that ridiculous Jeff Driscoll drive right before halftime where Todd Bowles just called off the dogs, went to a prevent defense. And you know, you know what they say about the prevent defense. I mean, it's (laughs) the tired cliche. I'll, I'll say it for those who haven't heard it before the prevent defense often prevents you from winning the game. Mm -hmm. And what, what that did is when you go soft coverage, you're not allowing these corners to do what they do best, which is press man. And you don't even have to press them, but, but just mm-hmm. provide that that smaller cushion and and give you know give give these big strong cornerbacks um like Jamel Dean and and Carlton Davis who are really physical and even a beefed up Sean Murphy Bunting give them the opportunity to get their hands on these receivers and disrupt the timing you got a 5 yard cushion in the NFL to be physical and reroute mm-hmm. receivers or jam them at the line of scrimmage but when you're starting off 8 yards off the ball you don't have that cushion you don't have the right. ability for those big guys to get their hands on the receivers. And, and so I, I, what we saw in this, in the second half though, was Todd Bowles making the second half adjustment. And what happened? The bears didn't score a single touchdown in the second half. And we saw Jamel Dean break up four passes. We saw more blitzing and more aggressive play eight quarter or seven quarterback hits by the Buccaneers uh, front seven and, uh, and three sacks. And we didn't see that in the first half. So uh, I, I think Todd Bowles, this team specifically, and I'll talk about the offense in the next point that I'm going to bring up, John. Um, but on this point, I think this team has to decide what it's going to be. If you're going mm-hmm. to be an aggressive defense, that be an aggressive defense the entire game, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying that you don't you don't have to show the same look every time. Todd Bowles is the master of disguise. But right. the thing is, is is if you want to play press man, play press man. If you're going to play off coverage, get two or three yards off. The receiver, not eight. And, and I just don't think that that when Todd Bowles goes to the soft coverage, it bodes well for the Buccaneer defense right. and we've seen it now a couple instances and it really it really came back to bite him. that second quarter lingered for the Buccaneers and, and it didn't do this this team any favors because those were two touchdowns that Chicago scored that ultimately the Bucks offense couldn't make up for.
0: Yeah, and I thought Carlton Davis was exceptional when they allowed him to play press man. And A couple pass breakups, he just made life really tough for Alan Robinson, who's one of the toughest guys to play press man against because he's so physical and he has such a good release game. And Carl Davis just made play after play, and then when he was in zone coverage, it was like a different story. I mean, you yeah. saw Darnell Mooney turn him around on the pass that Nick Foles overthrew that should have been a touchdown. You know, the long catch down Robinson down the right sideline. Right. He's in zone, and got pulled inside to an area that's not his, and had to speed turn out of it. And so you just see some stuff like that. It just makes you think, man. Let's just. I'm, I'm not. I know they can. They can't like never play zone. I get that, but like right. first and ten situation on that first down Robinson play like you know like let's let your guys be in a position that they're comfortable in in that scenario and yeah if you're in third yeah. long you know you've got to you've got to be in some zone I get that like I know the situationally like, there are times you need to change it up but this is a defense that can thrive off of man coverage and they did it even down near the goal line uh when when there's a lot of rub routes and stuff to work through and they did it well and so yeah. Uh, yeah I I just think that needs to be more of a focus for this team this season is being able to to roll up and it hasn't just been this game either. It's been other games too, where they have not rolled up and they have uh not been aggressive enough, I think, as a cornerback group. And if I had to John, bet, Scott, on one thing that they could fix as this season goes on, it would be that in this secondary, especially because of the way that they can play to their strengths in that situation. If I had to bet on it, what would what would you bet on, Scott? Maybe if you had something to bet on.
1: Well, I know where I would go to bet, John. I'd go to my bookie between the NFL and college football and major league baseball. Uh, playoffs that are going on. There's no shortage of games to watch and with thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events, you can turn to my bookie for game day and you can make it your payday. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites in games, consider putting a, a couple in a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real moneymaker. And don't forget the underdogs. This is where I like to cash in, John. They got a ton of value. You can hit the money line, and uh, as I did on the Kansas State TCU Mm -hmm. game, uh, which was a nice uh, win for my. I was going to say,
0: I wondered if you were going to bring it up.
1: Uh, I was going (laughs) to bring it it up. Got the
0: Kansas State polo on.
1: Now that was the only money line underdog that I hit, John. I I took a bath this weekend. I I bet Tennessee. uh, Yikes! Yeah, I, I, I bet Arkansas. I didn't bet. LSU Missouri though, and that was the one underdog that I stayed away from. But I really wish, obviously, given the outcome, yeah, that right. I had uh, that I taken that bet. But, but here's the thing: the NFL is about to do uh, th- those underdog bets, and they're they're available on on every Sunday at my bookie. Every team has a chance to win, and you do too. So game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie, and here's the cool thing. Check out the promo code. When you enter the promo code Pewter to claim your deposit match, dollar for dollar, they're going to match it and give you up to $1,000 of free money. So enter promo code Pewter, and when you go to MyBookie, it's, it's a bonus designed to give you a little bit of extra help and a head start in your winning season. Promo code Pewter to claim your bonus when you make your initial deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie.
0: One of the things we've discussed on this show, Scott, is that the Bucks have been great at getting pressure throughout the season. They can get pressure with four, but they've also been great at using blitzes to get home. Linebacker, safeties, Winfield, and Whitehead are both been really successful in that regard. It's been a full-team effort in that regard. It didn't happen during the most pivotal quarter of the game when the Bears scored right. 14 points. That was one of the things that you kept bringing up. Uh, I remember during the game, you were texting it and saying, and it was one of the things that was it was obvious as you go back and look at the tape too, is that there wasn't enough pressure in that area of the game. It feels frustrating in some ways because there, at other points in the game. There were, you know, early in the game, they got a yeah. little bit of pressure and then late in the game, there was pressure um, and it wasn't good enough because of some of the blown coverages late down right. the stretch in that game. But it's like consistency in this, in this, from this group and getting pressure seems to be a difficult issue sometimes.
1: Yeah, and and I think too. Um, sometimes you got to remember it's not the blitzer. And Monty Kiffin told me this a long time ago, like back in the nineties. He he didn't like to blitz a whole bunch, uh, but when he did, it was Rondé Barber an awful lot. Um, mm. off, he he really kind of I don't say he invented the nickel corner blitz, but I mean right. he, it made was it, a staple. Made it popular, yeah, yeah. It was a staple of, of the Tampa too. Uh, but the one thing <clears> you know that's important about blitzing to understand is it's not the guy necessarily that's coming that that is going to always get free. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the guy that blitzes, and we've seen Devin White do this an awful lot through that A-gap, John, is he'll be the guy that that comes screaming in there, Vita Vea, the nose tackle, would sit there, and hold the center, kind of like two-gap him, and give Devin White either the weak side or the strong side A-gap, wherever he was blitzing, that lane to go through. And and then what that does is that occupies the blocking back. But then it creates a one-on-one for everybody else. So even though Devin White's the blitzer, he may not be the guy that's necessarily even designed to get home. Now, if he beats the blocking back and, and and sacks the quarterback, then all power to him. But basically what that does is it's just a race to see who get there. And and you're trying to get somebody in free. Sometimes it's with a stunt or a game. Uh, Bulls did a masterful job of that against the Broncos inexperienced line a couple weeks ago. Chicago's line did a better job of picking it up, but um, – I, I for whatever reason i just didn't see him bring enough pressure early on and, and and i don't know if that was because nick Foles had a really bad first quarter but i'll tell you what yeah he got <laughs> could have been second quarter right <laughs> right and so again i would love to see and and john you know you you've covered the the pittsburgh steelers before professionally you've mm-hmm. you're from the, the the pennsylvania the state of pennsylvania you you've you followed the Steelers for a long time. You know all about Blitzburg, right? right?
0: Oh, yes. And, still and the, exists to this day. Still, still exists to this blitz day. <laughs> and, and
1: the one thing is, though, is I don't think that you necessarily see, generally speaking, the defensive coordinator has been through the years in Pittsburgh, just take a quarter or, or two off of, of blitzing. If your identity is to be aggressive, then be mm-hmm. aggressive and don't mm-hmm. stop. Quarters right. one, two, three, four, be aggressive and and play that way and uh, and I think that will that will suit this this team better defensively, if mm-hmm. if, if that's going to be the approach with Todd Bowles and and blitzing. And you know what? He's got a coach that loves to blitz, right? And yeah, he, he loves pressure. Then right. do it. That's all I'm saying.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think there's so many ways to do it and create pressure too. That's one of the things Todd Bowles has actually been so good at over the years is you know the twists and stunts up front. Like he's able to constantly give defensive li- or offensive lines different looks to have to communicate and 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 block despite you know, not using extra guys all the time. So that's a a benefit of his or a a plus for him too. But the other thing is that, man, sometimes he's it's like overthinking it on these blitzes, you know, like we don't need to be dropping Shaq Barrett into coverage as often as he's dropping. He's dropping at a top 10 rate in the league for an outside linebacker, edge defender type of player. And he's just not good at it. Like it's just simple, you yeah. know. I mentioned that catch to Robinson down the sideline. What is he good at? What is Shaq yeah. Barrett good at? He's good at getting to the quarterback, man. <laughs> like, he's good at going forward, right? You can't do you can't do that going backward. You just can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think I think at some point you have to look at it and say like, all right, it's just not working even even on a play that i thought he did fine on that Allen robinson catch that i keep referring to down the sideline where he comes back and kind of catches it in his bread basket right. um you know i thought barrett did fine but again it's just a matter of having an edge defender in space like that like he's gotta okay so you, you release a guy into the flat he's got to step up on the flat and then sink on this corner route it just isn't right. like you just should not be putting a player like that in that's position it's not like it's his fault or anything um you know and and then obviously late in the game when you're dropping him and david montgomery's releasing out of the backfield and you've just got a huge miss i mean you just saw jordan whitehead get torched on the same concept earlier right. in the game and jordan you can't Whitehead's be putting... a
1: safety who's yeah. better at coverage <laughs> right than Shaq Barrett.
0: right so it, to me it's just like that was another thing and again i love todd Bowles. i think he's great but i thought in this game overthought a few things and uh, just put his you know, players in out-coached. positions where they were going to We're going to really use Bruce right. Aarons'
1: words, John. He got outcoached. Bruce right. Arians got agree. outcoached. Yeah. Todd Bowles got outcoached. Claren mm.
0: Leftwich got outcoached. Right. And one of the key situations where they got outcoached or or coached poorly, I think you and I would agree, is the fourth down decision. This is something yeah. we touched on after the game. You know, Fourth and one and a half, going back and looking at the tape. By the right. way, third and 17, thanks to the Donovan Smith sack, Brady threads the needle between two defenders to Gronkowski. I think it shocked Gronk that the ball got through because he kind of stumbled (laughs) and then kind of lunged back. He's, He's close to the first down. He's about a yard and a half short of the first down marker. So it's fourth and about a yard and a half. So maybe a little long for a sneak, but still I feel good about the team's chances of getting it if they don't. The Bears have it at their own seven-yard line, yeah. and there's plenty of time left. You know, you've got your timeouts. There's plenty of time left. Right. You can get this ball back. You can, well, Clearly, you trusted your defense because you kicked the field goal, so you trusted your defense sure. to be able to hold. So trust them in great field position where the Bears will probably try to run some clock and be a little predictable with their offense given who – Just like the quarterback.
1: Once Just like, like the Vikings, bu- ex- Exactly
0: right. Got- Exactly right. You do not put when you think about playing defense in those situations and saying, okay, I'm going to put it on my defense to get us the ball back. You are not talking about typically an offense that has a really aggressive approach. So you have to bump your defense a little bit more in those situations when you're thinking about it. So have a chance to play defense in that situation if you go for it and don't get it. Still get the ball back. Plenty of time left. You can win with the walk off field goal if you get 20 yards or so based on the average punt or so. That's probably what they would have yeah. needed. Um, and so, yeah, I think it would have been a high percentage and you know chance. What, and I think you and I agreed on that.
1: Exactly. And here's the thing: the Buccaneers needed a field goal to win, right? They, they took the field yeah. goal in that instance to take the lead, right? You need a field goal to win the game. So, uh, I'm looking at a, at a site edjsports.com. They did an article okay. on on the the baseline, uh, the, the resulting in a Bucks game winning decision was 51.9 percent with the with the field goal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you risk it and you fail, it's a forty-three point eight percent chance that you're going to win the game. But the reward is if you if you get the first down, uh, you have, all of a sudden it goes from fifty-one point nine percent chance to sixty-seven point one percent chance. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it's just like what, what we said with Ty Bowles. Do you want to be aggressive? Do you want the no risk it, no biscuit? Is that is that what your is that who you are as a coach? Is that what you want your team to be? An aggressive team. Well, you went for it on fourth and one earlier in the game. Why not go for it now when the game is on the line? You need fourth, and it it was about a a yard and a half. Maybe if it was a yard, they would have contemplated the Brady sneak. I don't know, John. I mean, Rojo's popping off close to six yards of carry. Right, Uh, right. You you have the opportunity with Brady to try that long sneak. It depends on probably the the alignment. The Bears would have come out, and if there's somebody over the nose, then maybe you don't sneak it. If there's nobody over the nose, you just tell Ryan Jensen just to lunge forward and we're gonna pick this up. But uh, I, I think that's that's the biggest thing because um could the Bears run the game Buccaneer fans John could they run could they run the ball during mm-hmm. the game no they couldn't they had, but they have 35 40 yards right uh, in the nobody nobody can run the gun
0: <laughs> right exactly when you but know they're gonna the Bears, come out and run
1: right you know they're gonna come out and run right so if mm-hmm. you if you turn the ball over at the at the seven yard line and you don't get it you know you're going to shut down the run. Do you want, if you're Matt Nagy, as Mark Cook would say, Matt Nagy, if you if you want, uh, you know, to throw the ball, do you want to put the ball in Nick Foles' hands at your own seven-yard yeah. line? No, you're thinking probably pick six. You're going to be as conservative as conservative can be. Now, I will give Matt Nagy uh, some credit because I thought that he had some some cojones to to go for the throw on on what was it the. Uh, Second and nine or third,
0: second and nine, second and, yeah, something yeah. like second yeah. and nine. I think. Yeah. yeah, to
1: go for the jugular. I didn't understand that, but I just think that that again, Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles have to decide how aggressive mm-hmm. do do you want to, to make it? Uh, do you want to play to win or do you want to play not to lose? Because I saw on Thursday this team kind of raced out to a thirteen nothing lead, assume everything was going to be hunky dory. They mm-hmm. went a little conservative. They got out coached as a result, and and I'd like to see this team just be super aggressive. What do you have to right. lose? You've got yeah. Tom Brady. Uh, the clock is ticking. Bruce Arians is sixty-eight years old. This team right. hasn't been to the to the playoffs in twelve years. Go for it, man. Be aggressive all year. If you want to make the playoffs, go for it aggressively all year long. From this point out, if you want to beat the Packers, yeah. John, we'll talk about this oh, a little yeah. bit later in the, in the week. If you want to beat the Packers, you better be aggressive because right. Aaron Rodgers, uh, if you if you give him an opportunity, uh, he will flat out kill you.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it wasn't even just that fourth down situation, though. That's probably the most glaring. We forget it before halftime. I mean, the, before halftime, they get the ball back, 36 seconds left. They've got a couple timeouts. I mean, this is a perfect situation to get – into your two-man offense and try and march down the field, get a field goal and get that lead back. I mean, you're down 14-13. You just got gouged for 14 points, yeah. you know, out of nowhere. Like you need to get some momentum back. The Bears are getting the ball after halftime. It's a huge drive. And here you go, and you come out on first down and you run the football. I just don't under like, and then you go hurry up. And throw the ball. It's like, okay, exactly. if you were just going to run out the half, whatever. I totally disagree. Right. Multiple timeouts. I think it's a terrible decision. But, like, I get it. You know what you're doing. You came out with a purpose, yeah. and you said, we're just going to run the clock out. No, you get six yards on first down. Then you go hurry up and throw it on second down. What changed? What are those six yards? Yeah. What are you going for your own 25, saying,
1: John? your own 31 changes? Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians, as the head coach, needs to say, we're going to live by the sword or die by the sword. Yeah. And, and he needs to tell his coordinators, we're going to go for broke in every game and every quarter from here on out. And that's the mindset. So there's no indecision. There's no, well, what do we want to do here? There's there's none of that. It's we know what we're doing. We're going to be aggressive on offense. We're going to be aggressive on defense. And we're going to dictate to other teams how they're going to play us. And if we stub our toe and if we shoot ourselves in the foot with penalties or turnovers, mm-hmm. then so be it. But at least we have an identity and at least we have – you know, we've gone down that path. And if that path mm-hmm. leads us to seven and nine or eight and eight, then we tried a certain way and, and we failed. And maybe maybe Bruce Arians is coaching somewhere else next year. But in my opinion, right. I just want to see this team. This is a no risk and no biscuit coach and an aggressive defensive coordinator, Ty Bowles, be aggressive the entire time.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I think it's a I think it's a good point. I think it's something that their team is gonna to have to continue to establish within with before games even starting in key game right. situations, that's where we have not seen it manifest itself. It's like, you got to know going into these situations when they decided to go for it from fourth and one yeah. from their own 19 yard line, that's who you are. And so you got to know next that you, when you have chance to put points on the board, you're going for it. And it didn't yeah. make any sense. And you know what? They-
1: It kills me, John, with these coaches sit there and say, well, it's still early in the season. We're trying to find our identity. No, like, you know who you are, you know, who right. you are, you know, which players you you've drafted, you know, you know what you want to do, then just do it. That's the thing. And I'm not saying go for it on fourth and three. I'm saying fourth and Mm -hmm. one, go for it. Right. I mean, I'm not saying be stupid about things and, and, and not come away with points, but there's a big difference between fourth and one and fourth and three or fourth and four down there at the seven yard line.
0: Right. Exactly. Right. And you go for it on that fourth and one, you get the ball in the end zone and, and, You know, those extra four points are a nice little insurance policy as you kind of move forward. And, you know, what else is a nice little insurance policy, Scott, that that our our readers and our listeners might want to hear about our friend Briar Greaves out here?
1: Absolutely. I'm going to just rattle off a couple of stats for you here because I'm a big stats guy. I do like stats. Some people say stats are for losers, but certainly not with Briar Greaves. Listen, family owned and operated for three generations, Briar Greaves Insurance. 30 years of serving the greater Tampa Bay area, Briar Greaves insurance, award-winning agency, Briar Greaves insurance. They're going to sell you personal or business insurance for your home, auto, boat, life, flood, commercial, whatever your insurance needs. Call the good folks, Sam and Briar Greaves, at Briar Greaves insurance for a personalized touch. They're big Bucks fans too. So don't be surprised if you identify yourself and say, Hey, I heard about you guys on the Peter Report podcast. Heard about you on pewterreport.com. I saw the banner ad. I clicked it. I went to your website, briargreavesinsurance.com. Don't be surprised if they talk a little Bucks football with you, too. That's just who they are. So they're going to take great care of you. Storm season's still here. I mean, we're still in October. We just had Hurricane Delta roll through the Gulf of Mexico. So it's a great time to review your policies. A lot of homeowners, companies, they're canceling and they're non-renewing policies leaving Florida or they're increasing their premium significantly. And I'll tell you what, folks. I just got to notice myself from my insurance agency, who's not Briar Greaves, uh, that they're not going to renew my policy for some BS reasons that I'm not going to share with you. (laughs) But guess guess who I'm going to call, John? I'm going to call Briar Greaves Insurance tomorrow to get a quote and find out what's going on with my insurance. Um, Because that little script that they gave us is exactly true. That actually happened to me. Um, they, I get this non-renewal policy, uh, and it just, it's kind of a joke, uh, but Greaves is not a joke. Give them a call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. Call them for a review on all of your policy needs, briargreavesinsurance.com.
0: This has been kind of a negative podcast, Scott, but it's because we've got some things that need to be addressed before a huge game with the Packers comes up. And so I don't feel bad about that at all. But I do want to say, as we transition to our final points and closing thoughts here, um, I do want to say that I think this team, I don't feel any bit more discouraged about where this team could be that could go this season after watching them against the Bears. I think there were – Things outside of their control that went against them that I that were really frustrating. I think things that they could have controlled went against them and they didn't control them, and that was that's on them. But I think that also losses like this happen to teams every year that end up going on to have great seasons, make the playoffs, make noise in the playoffs, make Super Bowls. Like what were the Chiefs were like six and four last year? I know Mahomes was hurt for a little bit of that, but he lost yeah. a couple games when they were in there too. I mean, just that's just a most recent example. You know what I mean? Like they're just oh, yeah. Like in the grand scheme, I don't think that this game, like this, is still an offense that can accomplish anything that they want. I think if, the, as long as they cut out the penalties and the drops, they lead the league in both categories. Mm-hmm. Reggie, the staff from Greg uh, about the stalled drives because yep. of it on offense, like that is the reason they're still ninth in scoring in the league despite all of that. Like this group, when they get everybody back healthy, and that's probably going to happen against Green Bay. They can still be everything that we thought they would be on offense this season. Defensively, a couple things I'm concerned about, but still a group that is good enough, and especially in the NFC. You look around the NFC, none of these teams, sure. Seattle can't play defense. Green Bay can't play defense. Like So you look around the NFC and you don't see a lot of great defenses. So I think the Bucks still have a great combination in those two areas of ways to make an impact. But the one concern, the big concern I have moving forward coming out of this game is how do you replace the vita vea because they're on pace right now scott to allow 928 rushing yards the whole season that That's record crazy. is 970 from the ravens back in 2000 you remember that great defense oh, yeah that will go down in history well the bucks are on pace to top that easily right now averaging just given over up 58 point or 58 yards per game right now ridiculous number defensively i mean nobody has run on them at all it hasn't even been a threat really this season and now here they are you know losing their best interior run stuffer in Vita Vea, yeah. How do they replace this guy?
1: Well, let's let's talk about some statistics first, then we'll we'll talk about the personnel. So mm-hmm. last year the narrative was, and it was true, right, that you didn't have to run the ball against Tampa Bay because you could throw the ball with ease. Well, this year that's not the case. This right. year the Bucs, they're not dead last or in the bottom five of, of pass defense. They're actually 16th. They're right mm-hmm. in the middle of the league at allowing just 239.8 yards Per game through the air, Great. so now th- you might think, okay, well, our team is running the ball more. Well, no, just like John said, they're not. They're <laughs> right. they're actually they're on record pace right now. The Bucks are first in the NFL in run defense. They've they were have always been in the top five. Now they're mm-hmm. number one uh, after Thursday night's game. Fifty eight point four yards uh, per game allowed on the ground. That's that is remarkable territory. The other thing too is Tampa Bay's defense as a whole uh, is second in the league under allowing just under 300 yards per game, and I believe they're fourth or fifth in, in points allowed, 22.4. Well, when you look at at this matchup with Green Bay, um, and we're going to talk about this more in depth on our pewter report roundtable Tuesday morning, so be sure you check that out. Give you a quick sneak peek here because it ties into Vita Vea, John. The key to stopping Green Bay's offense, and this is a powerhouse offense, this is 38 Mm. points a game, uh, first in in the league. They are second in points 445, um, I'm sorry, in yards, 445 yards per game. Uh, Third in passing, 294.8 yards. But guess what, John? They're fifth (laughs) in running the ball. The Packers run the ball, 150.8 yards per game. So here you have uh, a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers that – that has thrown 13 touchdowns and guess what? No interceptions, right? Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. And has yeah, only been sure sacked three times. <laughs> yeah. Right. And wh- why is he throwing no interceptions? And why has he only been sacked three times? Because the Packers can run or throw the ball on any down because they're so balanced on offense. If you take away, and this might sound a little crazy, if you take away the Packers' run game, and that means really shutting down Aaron Jones, who's got 374 yards on the season and four touchdowns and is averaging over five yards per carry. If you take him away and you neutralize the Packers' ground game, you force Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball. And I know that sounds nuts because this guy's a future Hall of Famer, right? But what you do then is is if you get him in third and nine and third and ten situations, even third and seven, you're putting the Packers in more predictable situations. They have to throw the ball to convert the first down. And that's when you can see off on Aaron Rodgers and send pressure and if you don't get to him with the sacks, maybe you force a quick throw that Carlton Davis or somebody else steps in front of, and you get that, that uh, long-awaited interception there in Aaron Rodgers. That's how, you beat, that's how you beat the Packers with your defense. But, John, they don't have Vita Vea, So what do you do from a personnel yeah. standpoint? <laughs> well, what you do from a personnel standpoint is you stick Rakeem nunez Rochez, we call him sure. Nacho, in there at nose tackle. He's beefed up to around 320. He hit the weight room awfully hard. And and now he's in in an opportune situation where he's not going to be the stout guy that's going to control the center from just a sheer strength standpoint Mm -hmm. like Vitavea could. But he's got a little bit more initial quickness. So uh, he's not going to be nearly as dominant as Vitavea, but I think he can hold his own. He might even flash a little bit more as as an A-gap penetrator. So we'll have to see how Ty Bowles uses him. But I think it's going to be a committee-type approach. You're going to see Will Golston maybe take a couple of reps at the, at the nose tackle position. And Domica Sue played some nose tackle out with the Los Angeles Rams when Aaron Donald was the three technique. Mm-hmm. So Sue is a guy that's strong enough. He's not 340 pounds they beat Vea, but he's strong enough to anchor and hold the point of attack against uh, double teams from the, the nose tackle position. Um, but really, I think where it hurts this, this team, John, is the domino effect. It's when you don't have Nacho. In there, and he needs a breather. Yeah. Then who's coming in the game? If you slide Sue over to nose tackle, uh, then you got the rookie Khalil Davis, who you and I both like, mm-hmm. but he's unproven at this level. Can he right. be one on ones the way that Sue has to start the season, or even Will Golston? Mm-hmm.
0: Probably yeah. not yet.
1: We'll find out. Um, we haven't heard anything in terms of who the Buccaneers are going to sign. They might bring in somebody, or they might just decide to promote Benning, Potawahi. Uh, right the Washington kid who played well-pronounced I tried I've been practicing all afternoon <laughs> you might bring him up for the practice squad just because he knows the scheme they're comfortable with him at first I kind of speculated at my two-point conversion maybe they bring Kyle Love back because he's a right. veteran he's a bigger guy but you know they cut Kyle Love for a reason and they kept Potawahi on the practice squad for a reason and liked him better mm-hmm. so with yeah. the Bucks only having we're about $2.3 million with the salary cap room right now. It's not like Mike Greenberg can't create any more by going to a player and doing a restructure. Right. I, I just don't know that there's a lot of great nose tackle options. They tried to get snacks from Seattle. He turned him down. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that they might they might enter this Packers game going with the, the homegrown guys, the mm-hmm. Pozo Ahis, promoting him up to the active roster, going with Khalil Davis. Um you know, getting him his first action. He's been inactive for these games, John.
0: Right. Yeah. What are, you, gonna be,
1: what are your thoughts on replacing Vita Bay?
0: It's it's gonna be difficult. I think it's gotta be a group by committee. And I'll say to uh, listeners, if you have any questions for us, fire a few. We'll try to answer a couple before we close out. Fire a few yeah. out there. Somebody asked Godwin likely back this week. Arians had said he hopes that by Thursday, Godwin's able to do some stuff. So Hopefully he's on track for that. And if he can go Thursday and then Friday, I think you'll feel pretty good about playing him on Sunday. And so, uh, but also uh, listeners subscribe to us on YouTube, Uh, check out Pewter Report. You can search Pewter Report TV on uh, Google and you can find us, you can subscribe to our channel. That would be a huge help to us. We've had hundreds of people subscribe. Um, over the last couple of days. And that's been awesome for us. And so we're hoping to keep bumping that number up there and uh, be able to provide you all with with more consistently high quality content uh, on this YouTube channel. So uh, keep giving us, showing us some love on there too. But yeah, replacing Vea, I think Scott will be a job that is done by committee. It's not going to be just one player. I think I am very excited. Nunes Rocha's most improved player. We heard it all he camp was. long. He looked great then, and he looked great. Uh, I thought when he's played. I thought last season, honestly, he played well. Yeah. And um, Khalil he was Davis a super is, step. you know, right, he was a super it, step. right, came and, in and and did well as a backup. Yeah, and I think defensively, you know, Vea was unmovable at the point of attack. I think he's the most dominant run stuffing nose tackle in the league. I don't even know that it would be a close call between him and the next player. Um, but he, he is kind of unmovable in that way, but I think Nunes Roaches can do some of that stuff and they can serve, they can still be a really good run defense. Being the greatest run defense of all time is not as important as being just a good pass defense numbers will show. And so I do think it matters. I don't think it's like the end of the world. I think where it's going to matter is the pass rush. Maya, Mm -hmm. it was not a dominant pass rusher per se, but he was, getting to be a really good pass rusher and consistently generating pressure he was terrorizing the bears who we kind of i talked to brandon thorne before the game he was like oh yeah cody whitehair is gonna have a rough ride yeah. in this game because those guys are just kind of overmatched cody Whitehair against the power proud. type kansas like state. Vea. And, uh and exactly that would be the number uh, two
1: ranked kansas state wildcats by
0: the way, John. it's been Dalton Reisner and Cody White here getting yeah. getting the work this getting season worked, from the Bucks.
1: <laughs> the Bucks up front, and that's fine with me.
0: That's right. Once they're moved on, the allegiance is over. But no, right. I think that th- I think that this is a situation that you're going to need Khalil Davis to step in and play some snaps. You're going to need Will Golston to play more snaps yeah. than he's played probably ever in his career. You know, I have to look at the numbers, but I remember from last time I looked. I mean, I just think this is a guy that. And he's playing better as a pass rusher than ever before. He's four, already so got two play. sacks. I mean, exactly he's right. good
1: for one a year. He's already yep. doubled where you think he's going to be. Let
0: me tell you, Scott, he's going to he's going to double that number at least uh, <laughs> yeah. by the end of the year because he's going to get tons of opportunity.
1: It, so it I think like,
0: they can do it, but I think it's going to be – I think Todd Bowles is going to have to be smart, and I think Nunes Roches is going to have to step up, but Khalil Davis is going to have to flash as well. I think Khalil Davis, if he can make some type of an impact on right. long and late downs – and if Anthony Nelson can step up on the edge some and let them move Jason right. Pierre-Paul inside some mm-hmm. on long and late downs, I think it's going to help this team a lot. So it's it's possible, but it makes life more difficult from a schematic and personnel deployment situation than it would just be having one guy that can do all this stuff. I,
1: I think the key is the Buccaneers, if they can win on first down, if they can continue to win on first down, maybe it's dialing up some more run blitzes. Yeah. Because what, what we've seen, especially dating back to training camp, we couldn't really report this, but we saw it. The Buccaneers, when they go nickel rush, it's typically it's typically four down linemen, and it's essentially Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul as defensive ends. It looks like a four man front if you really look at at a lot of the Bucks' nickel rush. And then it's only two interior defensive linemen. And sometimes they take Vita Vei out. Sometimes they take Sue out. Sometimes they take Golston out. You know, we've seen different combinations in there, but they don't have those three guys, Sue, Golston, and Vea, mm-hmm. in there typically on a lot of, of third and long situations. They have those guys in there for the early downs, but once you get to third and long, usually they take one of those guys out and they'll bring an extra defensive back in. So it's it's a different version of nickel because they like to leave and Dominic or they like to leave Levante David mm-hmm. and Devin White on the field. So when they go nickel, they don't take a linebacker off the field. Um, they they take a defensive lineman off the field. Yeah. And and so I, I think that if they can get to there then, then you're going to have one of those guys, whether it's Sue or Vea or Nacho, getting, getting that needed rest, but they just mm-hmm. got to get to third and long situations yeah. uh, pretty religiously and then also get off the field in those situations too right? and, and, and not get into these 70-play uh, series, you know, or, or I should say 70-play games. Mm-hmm. Get it to a more manageable 58, 60, 62 games that you have your defensive uh, guys playing
0: right yeah it's gonna be fascinating to see it's gonna be fascinating to continue to break down this matchup we'll be back on wednesday uh, also at 4 p.m we will break that we'll have coaches comments to break down that'll be exciting we'll be able to talk with some of the coaches and some of the players too about some of the things that went wrong in the bears game what they're looking to fix moving forward for this huge game against the packers we'll have a complete kind of Pre-game, all of our analysis, kind of of what to expect from the Packers game, sometime on four four p.m. on Wednesday, we will go live. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Again, subscribe to our YouTube, Pewter Report yep. TV. Check it out. Give us a subscription. Uh, we've been blessed by y'all a, a lot already, and we'll uh, hopefully yeah, to con- nice. hope to continue that moving uh, in the right direction, so we can keep giving you all some great content. And um, shout out to
1: Buccaneer Bruce from Overland Park, Kansas. Appreciate that, my home my right. hometown stomping grounds.
0: Shout outs from, yeah, from the comment section. Uh, Great comment section. Great to see some discussion going as well during this show. So it's been fun stuff. We'll be back on Wednesday for Scott Reynolds. I'm John Ledger saying thanks so much for joining us on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.